Hi, everyone. Welcome to Parenting Portal. My name is Joanna Port. I am a mom of four to Zoe, Levi, Ruby, and Ray, and I am the director at Crestwood Hills Preschool in Los Angeles. This podcast is a guided discussion between me and an expert in the field of parenting. And I'm here with Robin Berman. Self-esteem has the word self in it. Kids who have parents who want to befriend them feel anxious because they feel like they're in charge. We've taken out all of the sharp edges out of childhood and created a gaping hole of emotional development. Dr. Robin Berman is an associate professor of psychiatry at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. She is a founding member of the Resnick Neuropsychiatric Hospital at UCLA and an advisory board member of Matthew McConaughey's Just Keep Living Foundation. She's the author of Permission to Parent, How to Raise Your Child with Love and Limits, which I read a few years ago, and I recommend it all the time to my families. I have it on my bookshelf in my office. I do. (laughs) You know what I love about it is it's an easy read, I think, as a parent when you're tired, and it's an easy pickup. And I, when you're really tired and you're sleepless, you need books that are easy. (laughs) Yes. We need sound bites as parents. (laughs) We're too tired for anything else. And I tell parents, you know what? Just Google her and you can get a little snippet of a talk. (laughs) I have seen you talk. I've actually seen you talk twice um, and get so much out of it. Every time I go, I get some golden nuggets. I'm not kidding. And I, I probably repeat you and don't even realize I do that. <laughs> repeat away. <laughs> but I will, I will quote you. I love your book and I highly recommend it to everybody, all, all ages, by the way. You have appeared on the Today Show, Good Morning America, and your book has been featured in the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, the London Times, Time Magazine Online. Permission to Parent has also been published in the UK under the title Hate Me Now, Thank Me Later. Dr. <laughs> Berman is on the Parents Magazine Advisory Board. Is is a featured contributor to the Today Parenting Team Online and is a regular contributor to Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop Online blog. And you have your own website to go to where you can get all kinds of information, correct? Yes. Yes. I want to start, the the name and the title of this episode is called Fostering a Connection. Mm. Fostering a Connection with Your Children. This really, really the only thing that matters. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What the do you mean by that? The only thing that matters. I mean, the only thing, what do we remember from our childhood, right? Yeah. That we've internalized a loving parent. Yes. That we could hear their lovely voice in our head, that we felt cherished, adored, seen. Everyone's rolling their eyes. Wait, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Yeah. Or that, I got it from one and yes, not the other. Yes, right. And we get to, that's the beauty of being parents is like your own childhood comes on a silver platter and you get to rework it with your own children. So fostering a connection is, is the whole thing. And I think we've lost our way, which is why I needed permission to parent or the same book, Hate Me Now, Thank Me Later, which is basically about being able able to set a limit. So we went from, you know, children were seen and not heard to never say no to a child, never discipline them, you know, um, please them, try and make them happy, be a personal concierge service, mm-hmm. always do whatever they want, twist yourself into a pretzel, um, sleep with them, you know, instead of, you know, here's a story, good night, go to bed, like they're in your room, they're on your floor, you're back in the bed. It's like a 25 minute negotiation. It's so exhausting for parents, and it's also not fostering a safe and secure attachment. Yes. Because a safe and secure attachment requires that a parent is in charge Uh and comfortable with power. 
Right? I think the parents find that hard, what you're talking about. Because they want to be buddies. Right. And they've got a lot of little cooler buddies than you. Right? I mean, you're just not on the hit list of cool. Right? Totally. As they get older, (laughs) they get cooler and cooler. And you only get one mom if you're lucky. And you only get one dad if you're lucky. And you're going to have a million friends. And that role is so special. Mm -hmm. And to own that role of, I have wisdom. I have a perspective. I have a frontal cortex that you don't have. have (laughs) You don't have it so I can make decisions and think ahead and plan with my executive part of my brain that says eat spinach sleep is good for a brain and all of these decisions and parents don't get so tripped up with the eat spinach Mm -hmm. they get tripped up with this dance of pleasing their children they are like parent pleasers yes trying to make their kids happy and I always say if you want to make kids happy teach them to be sad I love and that. And tolerate sad. I love that. Right? Because if happiness comes from outside of yourself, uh-huh. and they're real happy to get an ice cream, then the ice cream drops. They're happy to go into a movie, then the movie gets canceled. The locus of control is outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then parents are are putting themselves in a, in a job that they will never leave. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, they are completely becoming the ob- dependency breeds resentment. Right? You're getting dependent on your parent, you want them to fix your problems, you want them to solve your problems. The one example I think of from preschool that I watched that I thought was so beautiful was a little girl with a zip-up jacket, uh-huh. and she had a little bag and an art project, and I was interviewing the director of this preschool, just like, I wish I had known you to interview yes. you for my book, because <laughs> um, I love your preschool. I, I saw the zip-up jacket, and I was wanting to jump in and help, but then I kind of helped myself back, and the teacher said, do you need a suggestion? And the little kid said, no, and proceeded to struggle for about 10 minutes trying to figure out, oh, maybe I have to put my purse and my art project down before, figured it out. I did it myself, gleeful. We don't give our kids that arc. We don't. We don't. Mm -mm. Tell me. You see it all the time. All the time. I just feel like parents just can't tolerate their frustration, their disappointment, their children's frustration. Yes. They just, it's so hard for them to let it. And to be okay with it and to know that on the other side is a happier child if you let them go through what you, how you describe it is so perfect. It's true. And, and they're rushed to fix it. They rush to rescue. Yes. They rush to overprotect. They rush to overcorrect, overdo. And you've lost the whole arc of learning. But I think from a psychological standpoint, Mm -hmm. we talk about attachment. If you're flipping out that your kid's unhappy, the meta messages will how are you going to tolerate your feelings if I can't even tolerate right. them? Right. Yes. I can't tolerate you being upset. Yes. So I'm tap dancing faster and facts faster to make you happy, which is, by the way, impossible. Right. Right. Can never make anyone else happy. It's an inside job. Self-esteem has the word self in it. Right. Yes. Yes. And yes. so when you're holding on to the back of the bike and not letting go, I'm telling parents, you got to let go, but they're going to fall. Yes. They're going to fall. And then they're going to get up and they're going to have resiliency yes. and they're going to know how to navigate risk. So we've taken out all of the sharp edges out of childhood Mm -hmm. and created a gaping hole of Mm. emotional development, which is I can do it myself. This might be risky. When's the last time you saw a kid climbing a tree? Well, actually at my school. (laughs) Oh, good for you. Go Crestwood. Go Crestwood. For parents out there, the branch just has to be bigger than your arm. 
Yes. And they can climb it. See, and that's so refreshing because yes. I was literally doing a lecture and I was looking at brownies, you know, being on a brownie from the 1970s and the 1960s and the 1980s. And you only saw kids selling the cookies. But then when I looked up anything in this last decade, you couldn't find a picture without the parent. Oh, really? That's interesting. And the only because they're doing it, they're doing it for them. <laughs> yeah. They're at the grocery stores with them. They're at the they're at the lemonade mm. stand. I don't remember my mother hovering over the lemonade stand. I'm not sure I wanted her there. Well, she was like, "Go, go I'll outside, do it. get away from <laughs> Figure me, figure it out." So this self efficacy, yes, this yes. independence, this slowly jumping little fences so that the big ones become mm-hmm. easier. We're not letting them. So we're creating fragility. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to us, we're and we're interfering with attachment. We're really, really interfering. And the other unfortunate part of this age is what's really interfering with attachment is media. Uh huh. Distracted parents, distracted parents. So mm. you've got parents pushing strollers, looking at their iPhones. I know. Parents sitting in coffee shops with their adorable baby. And you know what I think as my 28 year old is getting married? I miss my buddy in the car seat. Oh, I, I know. miss those giggles. I, I miss that time. I wish I could push rewind. I know. It doesn't come back. And again, people are rolling their eyes, going, I'm exhausted, yeah. lady. <laughs> you know, I'm exhausted. And of course, while you're in it, but it's those moments you remember where you land. Well, I think they're growing up with this. Yes. Staring at the device. And it's not just their parent with they're staring yes. at their little phone. Yeah. And it's I wonder what that's gonna be like for them. Like as as adults. I'm just curious how that's gonna land later in ten years, what people are gonna be saying that this generation is growing up like that. Because when you the whole baby Einstein and that whole revolution mm-hmm. of all this electronic devices, that was found to lower IQ points. Mm-hmm. They got sued. I remember because that. it lowers IQ points. That was like so, ten years ago, wasn't it? Ten years that? ago, yeah. right. So now staring at these devices. So in terms of brain attachment, your your brain is born with a soft spot. Like we're the species on earth that has a literal soft spot in your brain to make room for it to grow as you age, right? Yes. And how does your brain grow? It grows on love. Yeah. Your brain literally grows on love. You get neuro and dendrites connecting on love. So a kid who's raised in an orphanage and, you know, you can scan their brain. The brain is literally smaller than a two-year-old who's raised in a loving family. Oh, that's so interesting. So we're brain sculptors. Yes. And how are we sculpting a brain if we're shoving a device in front of Mm -hmm. of a child, Mm -hmm. right? The other problem with the interfering with development is when a kid has distressed feelings. Mm-hmm. Rather than working through the feelings, moms are always like, oh, play Angry Birds, mm-hmm. right? I'm always like, great message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a great message. Let's just leave. Where do those feelings go? <laughs> okay, so you put those on hold. You gave yourself a temporary pass. You shoved a device in their face, but we never learned to manage and sit with feelings. Yeah. Hence the widespread epidemic of anxiety and yes. depression. Like well, you're seeing in yes, preschool. I'm seeing it. I'm That's seeing crazy. It. You're seeing it in preschool. Mm-hmm, totally. Tell me how you're seeing that. It's just more kids are anxious acting. So they're having sleep issues, food issues, more, more, um, meltdowns, more clinginess, mm-hmm. um, more separation issues, more transitions. Mm-hmm. Like even the simplest transitions, become really difficult for some kids. It's sort of affecting like, you know, everyday things. I noticed it's certain kids. And obviously there's some go with the flow. Kids are not like that, but it's just like more kids like that. I would say, yes, it feels like that. 
why do you think this is happening? What is your opinion about this? I think that we gets all back to that secure attachment. So in attachment theory, there's secure attachment and there's anxious mm-hmm. attachment. And secure attachment is a lot of staying in the room, working through feelings. So when the brain grows on love, it's gazing at your infant, cooing back, smiling at them. That lights up their brain like a Christmas tree. Uh-huh. And so a lot of this disconnection, right, in parents and the rushed paste of childhood. Mm-hmm. Childhood used to be slow and unfolding and messy and they're foibles and you make mistakes and you get back up. There's less of a tolerance for the normal, you know, wavy road and bumpy road of childhood. And it gets back to that whole helicopter parent land the helicopter, that whole generation, it's been a bust. Mm -hmm. We have a decade Mm -hmm. of data on the helicopter movement and it's been a bust. That also creates anxiety. If somebody was hovering over me Mm -hmm. when I was washing my hands saying, don't do it that way or don't Mm -hmm. wipe that way when you go to the bathroom or did you study this or all the parent portals for checking the homework Mm -hmm. and constantly supervising. And like the, you know, apps where they are to find out where they are. Following them. Yeah, it's like, it's very anxiety provoking. Yes. And kids say, I don't want, I don't want to get my driver's license. I just want to be a passenger and have Uber (laughs) or Lyft take me around, right? And there, Mm -hmm. some of these normal developmental milestones that give kids crave independence mm-hmm. and less so now they're clinging to their parents and so mm-hmm. just having an eye of this whole combination it was kind of a perfect storm between the electronics and the helicopter mm-hmm. and the hovering and not letting kids make mistakes and thinking we were being in service to our kids by making them happy mm-hmm. all of those things have kind of combusted mm-hmm. and really back to being in the room, being present, giving real attention. Attention is such a form of love, mm-hmm. undivided attention. And everyone's busy and everyone's inbox is packed. And just finding those sacred moments where you put the phone away mm-hmm. and you just are with your kid in the bubble bath or you're with them, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the park. And you just have, it's more fun for the parents. That mm-hmm. That's because we remember how our parents talk to us. Yeah. You know, I'm always struck when I was on the, when I was doing neurology in, in medical school and people were at the end of their life and several images flashed in my mind of people who were dying and they were longing for their mom and I just thought it was so amazing their spouse was there I wish my mom was here yeah. to comfort me that there was such an internalized loving object right yeah. that they could still hear her their voice you could still hear the way they were talked to and the same obviously goes in the reverse, you know, if you yeah. had a super critical or a shaming parent. And so I think this generation is so great and that they want to be more conscious and mindful. Mm-hmm. I just think we've gone a little mad. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we've gone a lot. Of, no is a complete sentence. I know. I no know. is a complete sentence. We talk too much. We overexplain. That's not safe. No, that's not safe. You're going to go to the ER and I'm too tired and I don't have a babysitter and I can't go to the ER tonight. I've got a brief to do tomorrow. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> TMI. I'm constantly telling my parents in the toddler classes that I teach that, you know, their brains are tiny, so and they don't have. I mean, really, it's just starting to grow. Yeah. So you have to speak tiny. So Baby, think about it. Speak a, tiny. Speak, think literally about a two-sentence word. Yes. Not yes. a paragraph. Yes. Get rid of the paragraph. Get rid of the paragraph. It's Paragraph's not going to land. It's yeah. a waste of your energy. And I mean, if you want to do that, full of anxiety. If you're talking really fast, yeah. and I don't know, versus that's not safe. 
Mm-hmm. Right. We can't have a cookie right now. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's the hold the feeling, hold the line. I know you want the cookie. You want to validate the feeling. I know you want the cookie. And we don't have cookies before dinner. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then uh, tolerating that discomfort. They can cry. They can be sad. But that kind of consistent and loving limit. My favorite story in my book was a on the preschool bench when my um, child was in preschool. And this adorable little girl comes running up to a single stay-at-home dad who had three three girls, runs up to her dad, you know, Ava won't play with me. Ava won't play with me. And this adorable little girl, big Brian, I was the, you know, the tears pouring down her face. I wanted to run up, hug her, kiss her, rescue her. And the father's did just remarkable parenting. He's like, that must be so hard, Mm -hmm. sweetheart, validating her feelings. Do you need a hug, lovey? Speaking in a gentle voice. And then he did something that blew my mind. He said, uh, so what are you going to do about it? How are you going to solve the problem? And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you've got to be kidding. This kid is four years old, <laughs> bawling her eyes out, and he's throwing the resiliency ball back in her court, uh-huh. asking her how she's going to solve the problem. And she's like, you know, I, I have an idea, Dad. I can play with a girl I know, and she's still bawling with big brown eyes and brown ponytail or pigtails. And he's like, that's a great idea, sweetheart. And off Jenny runs. And then he looks at me and goes, that little Ava's a bitch. <laughs> and her mother's a bitch. And the You're father not going to forget that. <laughs> yeah, and you never forget it because I was like, wow, you would yeah. never know that the father was sitting on all of his own anxiety. Yeah. So, you know, that's a really good example of empathize and problem solve and do some problem resolution and teach empathy. Teach he was empathy, teaching empathy, yes. but not like intentional. I mean, he, yes. he didn't. He's teaching feeling words. He's reflecting feelings. He's doing his best to just be present and not think about, got to get rid of this tears. Got to get, you know, like. Make it go away. Make it go away. We can't make it go away. We can't fix it. We never could. And so I think this trying to make our kids happy and thinking we can fix emotional issues is exactly what's kind of tripped us up and why we're seeing epic rise of anxiety. I think just sitting with it exactly like this father did. Oh, honey, that must be so hard. Like you said, an empathic, loving response. Naming it, you must feel sad, as Dan Siegel says, name it to tame it. Yes, Which I love. I know. Name the feeling, validate. It works for husbands. It works for wives. Oh, poor baby, you had a hard day. We don't want him to say... You know, you I told, told you so, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You told me so. Or take away your shoes and your closet yeah. or I mean, anything that we do to our kids. We think about. No, when we come home and we have had our day and we say, oh, this something happened. It just feels so good to have somebody say that. That sounds horrible. That sucks. Yes. Period. Period. I don't need somebody to go like, you should really, you know, write it up or you should call them or, you know, I'm like, no, no, no that's not what I want to hear. I want to It's hear. so funny you say that. One, <laughs> when, one of my sons was really into athletics when he was in elementary school and he loved sports and all the kids would do at lunches, sports, 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 and all the cards and all the stats and whatever. And in sixth grade, these same boys started liking girls, the same crew, except my son who was kind of late to the game of liking anybody. And <laughs> all he wanted to do was talk about sports. So he came home bawling, this like tsunami of tears. Kids have these rivers of feelings and he was like why are they wasting their time talking about girls who cares about girls i want to talk about sports and basketball and at that point i was thinking here i'm a psychiatrist having written a parenting book i really don't have an answer for that i really don't know what to say except hmm 
That must be hard. Oh, and I sat there and the rivers of tears kept coming and coming. I said nothing. And after about 20 minutes, he said, Mom, thanks. This is the best talk we've ever had. And you were like, I didn't say anything. (laughs) I didn't say a word. I didn't say one word. And I think that's what we have to remember. Just our loving presence. Yeah, you kind of don't have to say anything. I mean, when they're really little and they have meltdowns, and, you know, I see it every day. Yes. You kind of – but it's different because they're not – at my school, they're not my kids. (laughs) So I'm not enmeshed. I'm not enmeshed, you know, that that I can easily sit with feelings because they're not mine. I'm so glad you brought that up. With my own – I have trouble. Yes. It, it so do triggers I. Yes. me. Yes. Yes. And, so and do I. We talk about that a little yes. bit. Why does well, that happen? When, when it's your own child, there is hysterical is historical, right? Mm-hmm. Our history, when we're hysterical, it's about something in our own past that needs to be reworked, right? Uh-huh. So I'm a physician. I spent a lot of nights in the emergency room, and my son fell, my baby fell years ago downstairs and he cut his head so that I could see his skull. Oh. And I was like, oh. And my husband's like, oh, put a Band-Aid on it. And I went from zero to 10,000. I can see his skull. I can see his skull. And I could see my baby. I knew in my head I should be containing this. Mm-hmm. I should be calm. He's borrowing my nervous system. So while kids are growing their own nervous system, they borrow yours. Oh, I love that. They borrow yours. So I'm going, oh, we got to get to the yard. I can see his skull. And I can, right. and I realized I could not be in service to him at that moment because I was, and I called, I had the luck of calling a dear friend of mine who's an ER doctor who I got on the phone, on speakerphone on the way to the ER. And he said, Nate, oh my gosh, this sounds so fun. You can see your skull. That's awesome. <laughs> I've seen so many skulls in the ER and they have orange popsicles in the ER. You're going to make sure you ask. And my kid went from, he goes, and you're going to stay up super late. You're going to be. <laughs> there for hours and he's beaming and you're not gonna have a bedtime tonight my kid went from hysterically crying to smiling with the blood dripping down his face but i was unable to hold it and sometimes as parents we have to let ourselves off the hook yeah we're imperfect every one of us every day and sometimes our mistakes are the greatest fuel for intimacy Mm. right they're the great um, can i have a mommy do-over excuse me yes Um, yes. i messed that up we're allowed we're allowed with teenagers whoopsie sorry maybe i shouldn't have mentioned that i embarrass you in your front of your friend i'm so sorry right excuse me mommy do-over let me try again Again, let me say that again. We don't have to be perfect. We're going to mess up. And when we need a container, you go to your partner, your friend. If you know, my, I went to my ER friend for containment. Yeah. It's much harder when it's our own children because we're not that objective. Right. Let's be honest. When yes. somebody lies at preschool, you say, oh, I've seen this a million times. They're not going to be on America's Most Wanted. Right? <laughs> right. When your kid They're lies, not a psychopath. Are you they're, sure? They're <laughs> automatically behind, you know, locked up, yes, you know, and yes. some, somewhere, right? But parents, these I'm seeing, get so worried yeah. and so concerned if they're not making their kids happy and if their kids are really upset and if it's not okay. I mean, I just see parents just, it brings up so many issues. I often will say in our groups, um, it does come up a lot, at a quieter moment and outside of the meltdown, another moment, like really reflect on your trigger. Like yes. why are you being triggered? When your child is a meltdown, everybody's yes. different. What is it that's triggering you? And what does it feel like? Do you feel lost? Do you feel confused? Do you feel angry? Do you feel blank? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would feel like, blank. <laughs> um, why, what, how, 
Think about your childhood. What mm-hmm. happened? That- That's why I love that famous analytic saying that hysterical wow. is historical. Because uh-huh. when our volume is way high, yeah. and we know we're, we're, we're really triggered, yeah. what is it? Is it something you didn't get? Is Because that's the opportunity to rework it. If your childhood was about dancing on eggshells because you had an alcoholic parent or a rageaholic, and then you're you're carrying that dancing on eggshells in front of your kids, mm-hmm. right? And realizing that you've got to, you know, constantly throw them a bone. We don't, our children are not dogs that need, but you know, don't throw a barking dog a bone, uh-huh. right? Sit with it. Take that in between stimulus and response. And if you can't in the moment, like you can't, like I was like, ah, the ER, yes, the right, ER, blood, right, blood, right. the skull. If you can't do it in that moment, you get to go back and revisit it. Yeah. Right? And I've messed up many, too many times to count. Me too. Too <laughs> many times to count with my own children yeah. in the moment of needing to model calm and going back, gosh, if I could do it over again, I would have done it this way. Right. I made a mistake. You know, it's so okay for parents. It's, it makes you look like a trustworthy leader at the helm, right? And, We're not supposed to be right. perfect. No. And I think also that expectation that our kids are or that they're going to get a from AYSO four-year-old soccer to a sports scholarship is just so... Um, such a disservice to kids. So one of my mm-hmm. favorite, my older son was a high school and college tennis player, and he worshipped this uh, kid at his school who was like three different sports and was getting scholarships to Stanford. And I told my husband on the way to the uh, game, on the way to the tennis match, that I'd be able to spot his this kid's parents, Ryan's parents. And my husband's like, what are you, a soothsayer? Or, you know, I thought, a psychic? I thought you were a psychiatrist. And he said, okay, let's bet money on it. And I was like, let's bet a trip to Mexico. I and love this game. Kept, and she kept <laughs> going up and up. I love the game. I, I want to play this. I was getting more and more cocky. Yeah. So I sat there through the whole match, looking back and forth at the parents. And then I spotted who I thought this kid's parents were. And I pointed them out to my son. And he goes, oh my gosh, you're right. And my husband's like, oh, <laughs> How did you do it? They let the game be their sons. They didn't scream. They were quiet. They weren't swearing. They weren't jumping up and down. Just talking with the refs. They weren't coaching (laughs) on the sidelines. They looked like they had an energy of, you got this. Yes. It's your game. I trust you. I trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. You've got this. Right? Like when your kids and teenagers and they go to a party and you say, make good choices. Right? You got this. You've got this. You have a good head on your shoulders. You know when you're going to need to call me. But you have to be comfortable with them making mistakes. Correct. Yeah, and that's the key. Correct. Just be comfortable with them falling and be comfortable with them not knowing how to do the monkey bars. And everybody else in the class does. And they've, they've bubble-proofed and child-proofed. They've taken the edge and the risk out of childhood. We used to have those merry-go-rounds in the 70s where you'd jump on a moving target yeah. and you'd fall off. And a lot. And your parents weren't there. It was negotiating risk. Mm-hmm. But you need practice in negotiating risk. You know, how fast is my bike going if it's going downhill? You have to practice you it. You yeah. have to practice risk. What if I don't study for a test? What happens, right? You know, my son said that once. I think I'm just going to wing it. Let's see how that goes. Yes. Give it a whirl and let them, well, that didn't go so well for me, right? You have to let them, but parents think they're in service to their kids by making them happy, by not allowing them to fail. And honestly, I've seen so many kids drop out of Princeton and Harvard. You wouldn't even believe how many of them have ended up in my office. Oh, really? Yes. I feel like 
this past five years, it's gone like up. So many people freshman year are leaving. Yeah. And no practice in being on your own. And no practice and, in recovering from a mistake. No practice in recovering. And should I take this class, mom, or should I take this class, dad, and texting for decision making? Mm. Because they weren't taught to make decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. They weren't taught to practicing, well, let's try that one out. What would that look like if you went to the party and did this? Or what would that look like if you didn't mm-hmm. study? Or what? And working through kind of thinking ahead takes practice. But if you just are always calling your parent, it is so easy to do. We didn't have cell phones, yeah, right? right. I'm, I'm back we to the age own. of yeah. call your parents once a week on a pay phone in yeah. college. Since the iPhone, we've seen a massive, it correlates rise in, in anxiety and depression since the iPhone. Wow. Right? Constant communication. Is not. Constant Googling. Yeah. Constant, you know, I can't get there. Not, hmm, which way should I turn left or right? Let's just Google it, right? Sit, you don't have have any moments to practice distress tolerance. Uh, and distress tolerance is the key. How do you get through school without distress tolerance? Right. How do you go to graduate school without distress yes. tolerance? How do you work at a tough job? You need for life. Distress? So one of my favorite stories in the book is um, my uh, best friend has two, um, I married a guy, he's a doctor and the brother's a doctor. And one went, they went to, I think every Ivy league school combined these two doctors. And when I interviewed their father, I said, gosh, you know, you must have just stressed academics and constantly been over the hovering over them. Even though I knew he was going to say, no, I was kind of setting up. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, the reason my kids got so motivated was during the summer, I picked the most labor intensive, difficult, frustrating job I could find. Oh. And he said, one summer in the heat, they were from Canada, we just, there was bugs and heat, and they spent 12 hours loading boxes Mm. onto a truck. And he said, you know, in the the, heat, in the heat. And the one son who's the head of pediatric surgery at Harvard now said, yeah. And when I was in the OR thinking, God, this is a little bit easier. You know, at least (laughs) I could go take a nap in the call room, right? (laughs) When I'm done, I'm done. So practicing suffering. Yes. We're trying to make them happy and we should be trying to frustrate them and make them unhappy. Yes. Right? <laughs> Tolerate unhappy. Oh, you want when, two scoops, you get one. Yeah. <laughs> Setting limits actually is loving and, and yes. it makes kids feel so, so secure when you're certain and you yes. stick with it. And yes. I think that children that grow up in a home where the, the limits are not stick to that don't there's no follow through i i really feel like those kids grow up not trusting adults why should i trust an adult because they're go back on their word you know my my mom my parents say it's time for bath right and then they i say no 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 bath i'm not going (laughs) i have a meltdown they go okay five minutes and then at five minutes okay it's time to get in the bath and i go no 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 and they go, okay, okay, another five minutes. It's like, if you do that consistently and a lot and with all limits, it's like, why they learn never to trust You're adults. the parent who cried wolf. Yeah. You're the parent who cried wolf. You have no credibility. Right. None. Zero. Zip. And having no safe, and having rules keep you safe. So sometimes love says no. Oftentimes, love says no, right? Because it keeps you safe. There's a green light, you go. There's a red light, you stop. It keeps you from anarchy. And kids who have parents who want to befriend them feel anxious because they feel like they're in charge. Anxious, yeah. Yeah. They're drunk with power, 
Right? They're have you ever seen a little feeling. toddler? Yeah. Have you ever seen that in your preschool? With a kid where yes. they just have too much power and they're bossing their parents around and then they're hitting them in the face. I, I mean, I get a call a day. My kid is hitting me, punching me. I'm thinking, wow, children have gone a, a lot. You know, I never was for parents shaming or hitting yeah. kids. I yeah. do not believe in yeah. that. I, there is a much no, better way to teach. Yeah. But I certainly don't believe in kids hitting their parents. <laughs> no, no. Right? No. <laughs> it's crazy we've gone so far. But it, it just speaks to that, that they must feel so out of control that they would hit you know they're dysregulated they're dysregulated they're dysregulated even you know and they probably have no way of expressing it other than that you know correct so a kid who's so learning distress tolerance is one of the treatments for anxiety Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so anxiety is all about avoidance Mm -hmm. kids who are anxious want to avoid and their parents are doing the best job of two things you don't want to do if you have an anxious kid is reassure or let them avoid two major things don't let them avoid and don't reassure them am i gonna fall no you're gonna be fine you're not gonna fall you could you might yeah right Right. you know but if you keep your hands on the wheels and keep pedaling you know it's possible but not probable at this point right so don't reassure so parents are constantly reassuring you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay they're hovering and reassuring and then they're allowing them to get out of the bath they scream, they have a tantrum, they get out of the bath, so they're avoiding the thing they don't want to do. So that's mm-hmm. another recipe for anxiety, mm-hmm. right? So we're, it, this, this epidemic becomes clearer and clearer mm-hmm. as to why it's happening and allowing your kids to kind of face their fear, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, anxiety comes from walking around, Mm-hmm. And the only way to do anxiety is to expose yourself to it. Mm-hmm. Let them fall. Let, Let them, cry. them fall. Let them cry. Exposure. Them- I'm scared to sleep mm-hmm. at night. Yeah, I know you are, and I know you'll be okay. And so your attitude of you're going to be okay is so it's in your tone. I can hear yes. it. when you're talking and saying yes. it. I feel really comfortable. Yeah, I feel comforted. Yes. I feel confident in myself actually as you're saying it. And I imagine as a preschool teacher, that is one of your biggest gifts is to hold the energetic field. Kids don't hear your words. I could have said a million no. things on the way to the ER that night. My kid didn't know the word skull when I kept saying, there's going to be 20 stitches. He didn't even know the word stitches or skull or whatever I was rambling on about. There's, there's a piece of it. It's just the tone. I know. It's so difficult, that empathizing connecting mm-hmm. before you correct. Mm-hmm. Parents jump in so fast. Don't do that. Don't do this. Do this. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's anxious. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. just give a beat and let the kids zip up their own jacket, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, letting a kid ball about not yeah. the kids not wanting to talk about sports is really the only thing you can do. And right? the little ones that I work with cry, cry a lot because yes. they don't have a lot of words. Yeah. And they don't know how, they certainly don't have feeling words. They have big feelings uh, have and not feelings. a lot of words. And so there's yes. more meltdowns and more crying. Yes. It's, it's stressful and, 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 and exhausting for parents. Yes. And so often that it, you know, there's a lot that goes, and they're not getting a lot of sleep, the parents. I mean, yes. it's tough. It's not easy. It's not easy <laughs> being a parent today. And if you're working and you're oh, a yeah. single parent, you're really a triple and quadruple parent. You're doing so many more yeah. jobs. Yeah. I think the best parenting thing that has come off is a throwback from my decade, which was Mr. Rogers. Yeah. So in that documentary, I don't know if you've seen yeah. the film or the not documentary. Not the, the documentary. Okay, so. the documentary I thought was magnificent. Yeah. What he does, kids, you're going to hear the word assassin nation 
our president was shot. Who would think to say that to preschoolers? Yeah. Who would think to say, look at the fish at the bottom of the tank. The fish isn't moving. He's dead, right? But he doesn't say, the fish isn't moving. He's dead. Oh, There's my God. Going, what are you going to do? They don't hear the words. <laughs> Jess, I'm so it. glad you pointed that out. <laughs> they hear tone. They hear rhythm. Mm-hmm. They hear pace. They see how quickly and frantically you're moving. Mm-hmm. And they're borrowing your nervous system. So I always used to say I to myself, that. how am I doing in the nervous system department? Oh, you do to yourself. You'll oh, say, yes. You're like, have a check. Yes. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. How That's- am I doing? Well, now I have a little rubber band or a tattoo on uh-huh. my wrist with teenagers that uh-huh. is like, shh. Oh, too, too quiet <laughs> To myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? When in doubt, I mean- stay out. It applies to toddlers. Mm-hmm. It applies to teenagers. It applies to my grown children. Right? Mm-hmm. Let them work it out. Let them. You know, what's the universal cry of toddlers? I do it myself. Yeah, exactly. Right? Really instinctually want to be independent and do it themselves, but they also need to hear no and take it too. I mean, they, there's both. They yes. they want both. So they're constantly in disequilibrium really because yes. I want to do it myself, but I can't. And I hear no all the, all day. I hear no, but I want to be in control, you know, of, and I don't have control. And over the years, just out of curiosity, yeah. the really magnificent parents, and I know you've seen some, what stands out for you? I've seen a lot. I mean, the ones that are, loving and really looking them in the eye and putting away Mm -hmm. everything and really focus and Mm -hmm. attention, but real attention, Mm -hmm. like really present, being really, really, really present. Mm -hmm. Not. I think that's the best gift of this generation is being really, really present and pushing away the noise. And one last thing about feelings is denying them doesn't make them go away. Mm -hmm. You're not scared. Monsters aren't real. Right. You know, so just, it's okay to just, they have them and they're big. And the more you calmly hold them, the smaller they get. The other thing, uh, see, it could go on. Sorry, I'm, I'm I, leading I you on. And we you said, and we said, said yeah, we're this. done, we're done. But we, we have to finish. But I was going to say the other thing is, oh, when you're in a moment and the child is melting down and you're like, uh, and if you're a parent who's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're you're going to be fine. It's okay. You don't, no, 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 no. I told you we were going to go. We have to go or whatever. The roles get reversed, I think, for toddlers, yes. at least. Uh, children, all children. Yeah. All of a sudden, the child is like, oh, I have to kind of take care of my mom right now yes. or my dad. Yeah. It kind of is confusing, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. They, like, all of a sudden, they have to yeah. care for them. A safe, loving parent at the home, mm-hmm. yes, where they're not having to manage the rules the pool, yeah. or their distress. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And at the end, it's epic love. It's epic just an love. epic love affair, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And it goes by so fast, so it appreciate does. it. It does. Appreciate it, because you'll miss those giggles and those those car seats, I promise. If you want to check out her website, go to www.robinberman.com and her book, which I love, Permission to Parent. Um, thank you very much. Thank for you coming. for having me. Okay. So much fun. So much fun. Thanks for joining us. If you have questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at joanna at parentingportal.com. If you want to learn more about our experts or to schedule a consult with me or a speaking engagement, or you just have a parenting question you need answered, go to parentingportal.com. And remember, parenting is so, so hard. Give yourself a break. You're doing a great job. 
and do something for yourself today. Thank you.